in this episode, I'm once again releasing a snippet from my intuitive eating episode series. And in this particular snippet, I am outlining the pros and cons to ad libitum eating or intuitive eating, whatever you want to call it, but basically eating without tracking macros and calories. And, uh, you know, I'm talking about a couple of things such as auto regulation, reinforcing good eating habits. You know, I think that when we ask questions such as what is better, macro tracking or just intuitive eating, I think we can't really answer this question in a black and white sense. I think we need to put everything in the right context. Both approaches have their pros and cons. And of course, personal preference also plays a huge role. And I'm talking about the psychological aspects and the mental implications of this entire dilemma and question that I'm addressing in this particular episode or episode snippet. So I hope you will find this valuable and it will help your decision making somewhat if you are contemplating giving intuitive eating a go or whether you want to stick with macro tracking or maybe the other way around. Maybe currently you're not tracking your macros and you are thinking about starting to track. So in either way, I think this episode will help you out. And with that, let's get into it. What are the pros and cons to intuitive eating as opposed to macro tracking? Uh, next point, let's talk about the pros and cons of ad libitum dieting and macro tracking. So a big benefit of ad libitum dieting, which macro tracking doesn't have, is the element of autoregulation. So a properly designed ad libitum nutritional approach where you get tuned into your natural hunger and satiety cues, you select the right satiating foods that actually make it possible to listen to these cues, allows you to have an energy intake that basically regulates itself to your activity levels and to the fluctuations in your caloric intake. And the reason why this is cool is that a lot of the questions we like to ponder, such as how many calories does standing burn as opposed to sitting, or how many calories do I burn by going for a 30-minute walk, or how much fat do I store from a single meal of overeating, kind of get taken care of on an ad libitum approach. Because if in a given meal, let's say you massively overate, then the next day you can basically test the amount of quote unquote damage that has been done by assessing your appetite. Uh, to give one concrete example, this past summer, actually, I was invited over for lunch. And if you know one thing about people in the Balkan area is that they know how to throw together a feast. So I had tons of fatty meats, tons of dressing on my salad, tons of wine. So I was feasting like a Lannister. And I have no idea how many calories I put down, but looking back, it was probably at least 5,000. And that's not because I went on an all-out binge. It's because of the fact that these lunches basically start at 2 p.m. with the appetizers and salads and go on until like 11 p.m. So the next day, I just told myself, I'm just going to eat veggies, berries, and some fat-free protein sources, so whey protein, chicken, things like that, and I'm just going to eat to satiety. So no crazy restrictions, no battling myself through crazy hunger. I'm just going to eat when I get hungry, and I'm going to stop eating when I'm comfortably full. So I will apply some mindfulness in terms of not eating for pure fun, and I'm going to actually pay attention to when I'm full, but I'm not going to refrain from eating if I'm hungry either. So I did this and of course I wasn't very hungry for tons of low palatability, high fiber foods. And by the end of the day, I could tell that I didn't eat 
tons of calories, but I didn't eyeball portions or add up calories in my head because I didn't want to overthink things. But the next day, so following this lower calorie day, I added up the amount of calories that I had. And guess how much it was? 700 calories, a little bit less. And again, no restriction, no starving myself. This was me eating until comfortable fullness whenever I got hungry. So that is the power of autoregulation right there. My body sensed that the previous day it received a shit ton of calories and it corrected its hunger and satiety mechanisms to compensate for it on its own way. Now, what would have happened if I actually tracked my macros that day? I either would have eaten something like 2,000 calories and I would have ended up still feeling like I'm consciously depriving myself because, wow, that's like 1,000 calories under my maintenance. Or maybe I would have decided to consciously put myself on a protein-sparing modified fast and eat like sub-1,000 calories, which would have made me, A, obsess all day about the fact that, oh my God, I'm only eating 1,000 calories, I'm going to starve, how am I going to make it through the day? And B, would have made me feel a bit uneasy that, well, I'm kind of purging right now. Is this healthy? I don't know. And this way, my body basically told me how much food I needed, given my previous day's indulgence, and it just happened to be around 700 calories. Now, this brings to mind right away whether you can successfully use ad libitum dieting for cutting. Because obviously, during a cut, you don't want your body to autoregulate based on your hunger too much as it tries to maintain homeostasis? And the answer is yes, you can, but hold on for me just for a little bit before I get to that topic. For now, let's continue with the pros and cons. So a con or a downside of ad libitum dieting and what is a big plus side of macro tracking is that it's more tricky to track progress and make adjustments. So on a fat loss diet, for example, if you track your macros, you have a lot more straightforward, specific modifications that you can make whenever there is a stall, for example. So let's say your weight loss has been plateaued for a week or two weeks. If you want, you can see how much weight loss is lagging behind compared to what has been predicted, see your caloric intake, and from that, if you want, you can make an exact calculation on how much you need to adjust your caloric deficit to keep losing. And even if it's not exactly accurate, which it's definitely not, as stalling is almost never solely due to an actual energy intake problem, uh, but it gives you a very clear, unambiguous action plan. If you eat ad libitum and your progress stalls, it's trickier to take concrete action. And you will do things like, okay, I'm going to make my diet a bit more veggie dominant and take out more starches. Or I'll take out some fatty protein sources from one or two meals and replace them with lean sources. Or I'll drink two more glasses of water with each meal. Or you will do things like auditing yourself, whether you ate to the point of feeling really uncomfortably stuffed at multiple meals for multiple days during the past two weeks. And then that's the problem. Now, if you have experience with proper physique-oriented nutrition, this will not be as big of a problem. And you will gain a very good sense on how to make modifications and adjustments. But for someone new to all of this, it can be tricky and you're probably better off getting someone to help you with the initial stages of this. 
The other benefit here of macro tracking is that it's easier, especially once again, if you're new to this, to quote unquote, trust the process when your results are seemingly stalling. So for example, let's say you know from experience that your maintenance calorie intake is about 3000 and you've been eating 2200 for the past two weeks. You know that you are on point with your diet, but your weight is completely stalled. In this case, you can just know that there is no way that there is no fat loss occurring with that level of caloric intake, and the stall is most likely due to some water retention issue. Maybe you just drastically increased your food volume with all the fibrous stuff. Maybe you have some gut issue from something you ate, and there's a lot of food sitting in your GI tract. Yikes. And so you can have the numbers ease your mind in a sense. With ad libitum, this gets trickier. And especially if someone is completely unexperienced, this leads to some wacky things and could make someone drastically cut back on their food, even though their diet is already consisted mainly of lean protein sources, veggies, and low sugar fruits, and they were already in a sizable deficit to begin with. Or it could lead to some wacky conclusions like, well, the scale weight is stalling, so I'm to going to cut back on my veggies and replace them with nuts because they weigh less, which seems ridiculous, but you would be surprised what people are willing to do when the scale is not moving. Now, once again, if you are familiar with the energy content of foods and have experience with proper dieting, this becomes much less of an issue. So even if the scale stalls, but you look back on your previous two weeks of eating and you go, okay, I've been eating lots of veggies, berries, lean protein sources, and had only a moderate amount of full fat foods. There is no way I'm not in an energy deficit. So let's just not go neurotic about all this. Keep going. So it's much less of an issue than it seems at first. But once again, it shows you that during a contest prep diet where the stakes are high and you often have a time crunch, this is just not your best option. Now let's touch on the mental side of things, because this is partially something that eventually made me remove the videos I made on this. I also wanted to put out a much shorter narrated version of this podcast episode on YouTube with images and things like that. And I realized that I oversold things a little bit and didn't provide enough caveats and context. You see, I originally wanted to talk about the mental aspects of all of this and portray it as ad libitum dieting is much less stressful than macro tracking. And then I realized that someone could come back at this. In fact, he or she should come back at this by saying to you. And that's exactly the correct answer. In fact, an even more correct statement would be that ad libitum dieting is less stressful for me personally at this particular time period. Because two years ago, for example, I was having my honeymoon phase with macro tracking and flexible dieting. I absolutely went through the whole shit. I can fit in a small tub of ice cream into my macros every day and lose fat or at least not lose my abs. This is freaking magic. And as of 2017, November, now that winter is coming <laughs> with my current mindset, psychological circumstances and past mental baggages and with the lifestyle that I currently want to live, macro trekking is just absolutely not the right fit. And this is something that we just all need to wrap our heads around that no matter what nutritional strategy we use, whether it's intuitive eating, macro trekking, IFYM, whatever, it's 
in a large sense, choosing where we want our restriction to come from and choosing the form of restriction that provides the least day-to-day psychological stress. So for some people, at some points, tracking and counting calories gives them the most benefits and least stress. For others, it might be ad libitum dieting. And for others, it might be preset meal plans or even eliminating whole food groups or doing special diets like a ketogenic diets. These are things that are very much stigmatized. And, but we have to acknowledge that for some people saying that, okay, I'm just going to limit my carbs to under 50 grams a day is the easiest way to control their energy intake and eat healthfully. And it doesn't cause them any psychological stress whatsoever. So I definitely don't want to portray this whole thing as ad libitum dieting is good, flexible and stress-free. Everything else is neurotic and stressful. Bottom line, it's a matter of personal preference, psychology, personality type, and life circumstances, these all play a crucial, crucial role. Now, with all that said, when I started to eat ad libitum, I experienced some pretty profound mental shifts around my eating behavior, which actually revealed to me only then how unnatural and in some cases really distorted and just messed up some of my behaviors were around food. For example, now that I've been eating this way for a while and I've had a pretty flexible and relaxed behavior around food, only now did I realize that with strict macro tracking, doing things like sharing a meal with someone or sharing a bigger batch of cooked food with multiple people, like in a family setting, even if it's good food like cooked meat with vegetables and stuff like that, it's actually pretty tricky. And depending on how relaxed you are as a person, it can be a flat-out stressor. Like, for example, eating out is kind of tricky to begin with if you track macros and you want to guesstimate what you ordered at the restaurant. But then if you share some portions of your meal with someone, you share some portions of the other person's meal, you offer some other dish around with your friends. I mean, this is like the antichrist situation of a macro tracker. And this is the kind of situation where a person who tracks his or her macros and doesn't have the most relaxed, flexible attitude about all of this is either going to experience some pretty major stress from all of this or going to say, fuck it, and perhaps even experience a bit of a what the hell effect and go over overboard. Conversely, if you eat at libitum, then in a situation like this, you'll just probably say, okay, I'll select reasonably good foods. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm not going to overstuff myself just for the hell of it. And later, I'll try to auto-regulate based on my appetite as well as I can. Another similar thing can be said about not finishing your meal or at least not eating up to the pre-planned calorie amount for the day. So... If my pre-planned calorie intake is, say, 3,000 on a gaining phase or 2,400 on a cutting phase, it's very unlikely that I'll consume anything under these amounts, regardless of my hunger and appetite on that day. And I think this is just basic human nature and human instinct that if you have a certain restriction or numerical cap on the amount of food that you get to eat on a given day, especially if that number is below your general needs to begin with, so during a cut your most general instinct is to eat up to that amount no matter what. And conversely, if on a given day you're just unusually hungry, you'll likely still eat the same same amount of calories and won't go over it. Or if you do, you'll feel guilty. 
even though from a physiological perspective, the varying levels of hunger you experience on these days might be due to your activity levels. So by adhering to the same predetermined caloric amounts, irrespective of your appetite, might actually make you put yourself in a vastly varying size deficit across different days, even though you had all the right intentions of adhering to the same deficit or surplus. And then there are the obvious examples like going out of town, traveling to a new country where you might be surrounded by all kinds of new foods, new environments, just a whole lot of stuff that you're not used to track and you kind of need to start from scratch if you want to be precise. Uh, It can be very annoying to say the least. So much so that this very thing actually made me say no to random weekend trips and things of that nature before. So... I find, at least, that when it comes to freestyling things, making spontaneous decisions, or being generally adaptable to random situations that life can throw at us, eating ad libitum is a lot less stressful. But once again, this is for me personally, you may have a much different experience. Now, moving on to the next benefit downside question. A big benefit, in my opinion, is that it has a way of ingraining good eating habits. So with macro tracking, an interesting conundrum that we may find ourselves facing is that while we may be manipulating our body composition very successfully through adhering to our predetermined numbers, because of the objectivity of the numbers and because we can rely on them, one can actually accomplish their body composition goals very successfully while having an absolutely terrible set of eating habits. So for example, during a long, hard diet to low body fat levels, one often has to ignore their hunger and satiety signals and adhering to specific numbers actually allows one to live being completely oblivious of natural hunger and satiety mechanisms. And one can actually get into the habit of completely overstuffing themselves to the point of serious discomfort while seemingly getting away with it, quote unquote, because they are adhering to the numbers. And this is something that I have fallen for, especially because I spent a good few years of my life basically permacutting and perpetually dieting and spent the majority of my time being in a caloric deficit I got into the habit of just maxing out on food volume by loading up on veggies and low-calorie foods to the point of getting gastrointestinal issues because I just wanted to not be hungry. And unfortunately, this eating behavior was hard to let go of once I was done with cutting. And as a friend really smartly put it, the difference between a successful cutting day and a binge can often simply boil down to energy density of the foods you eat. And then if you overeat or gain weight, it's easy to blame certain high-calorie foods for your slip-up and ignore the fact that maybe there was a deeper underlying issue here, which is that you developed some not-so-hot relationships with food and eating because now you require eating to the point of feeling stuffed to actually feel non-deprived. And eating ad libitum, especially if you actually do it correctly, so you select proper foods, you pay attention to your body's signals, you have some degree of mindfulness in place as, as you're eating. These are things I'll talk about in an upcoming episode. It's pretty hard to remain oblivious to these not-so-good eating behaviors. I mean, if you just keep eating past fullness at every meal, then it quickly becomes a slippery slope. And then if you gain weight or your body composition is not going in the direction you want it to, 
then it's harder to remain oblivious to the fact that you have been eating way past comfortable fullness repeatedly. And this is the case so much so that one of the first benefits I noticed was a drastic improvement in my digestion and gut functioning. So I had less bloating, I was more regular and predictable on the toilet, if you know what I mean. And this simply all came from this magical concept of just eating a reasonable amount of food whenever I needed. Not to mention that if you apply some of the psychological tools that I'll talk about in the follow-up episode of this, when I'll talk about specific strategies like focusing on your food and eating mindfully, that will have benefits that will reach far further than just your nutrition. And you will be more easily be able to stay present in the moment, which will help you focus more on your work, focus on conversations in your bedroom performance. And yes, I'm speaking from personal experience here. Uh, not sure how much you want to hear about these things. But the main point is that a properly set up ad libitum nutrition plan has a good way of kind of shit testing you for your bad nutritional habits. All right, guys. So I hope once again, you enjoy this. Uh, if you did, and you haven't heard my intuitive eating episode series yet, then go ahead and check that out. They are linked as a two-part series, about an hour and a half in total, part one and part two. So go ahead and check those out. They are linked in the show notes below. And yeah, once again, I hope you enjoy this. And if so, see you in the next episode. Hey, guys, I just want to tell you again that your inputs for this podcast will help it grow more than anything and your requests, ideas and comments will contribute to awesome content going live on this channel and podcast more than anything. So if you want to contribute, the best thing you can do is to go on Facebook and look up Sustainable Self-Development. You'll find both the page and the Facebook group that is dedicated to discussions and ideas being thrown around. Go there and note down your comments about what kinds of topics or guests you want to be featured on this podcast and YouTube channel in the future. Just keep in mind the general theme of this podcast and my YouTube channel, which is to help people becoming their best selves in terms of lifestyle as it pertains to fitness and general personal development. This podcast is really dedicated to self-improvement, both physically and mentally. So keep that in mind. So thanks again for tuning in and see you next time.